When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're free. Finally. Free now. Free to bump elbows again now. Free to finally see mom, dad, gran, even that weird uncle now. Free to escape the news. Finally say I do. Or even a first, hey you, now. Free to go north side, south side, or even the seaside and be free as a city seagull now. Free to... Now. There's nothing like the feeling of being free now. Ready? Book a ride now with free now. And with Ireland's shortest wait times... We're always ready. Hello and welcome to Talking Point. After a quite incredible Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, uh, with me this morning is Finley Prevolder from Planet F1 Planet. Uh, Finley, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm uh, worn out after, after all the chaos of yesterday. <laughs> I mean, there's just... Someone can buy Italy these days, isn't there? Yeah, obviously, Emin has got it's got great history as a racetrack, but I, I was a bit concerned about coming here this year because overtaking so difficult. But uh, yeah, it didn't turn out to be a problem, did it? I mean, we got that rain <laughs> right at the start of the day, which really kind of made things interesting. And then, yeah, it all kind of took off from there. Absolutely. I mean, if qualifying wasn't good enough, then the uh, the race certainly <laughs> it went above and beyond even that. It was a great qualifying session on Saturday. And then um, then the race just uh, followed through even further, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, the whole weekend there was a lot, a lot to be excited about. And I mean, that's what happens when you have two cars at the front that are pretty even driven by two genuine world class drivers, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and they didn't disappoint either. And uh, like Verstappen against Hamilton, I think um, it, it sort of all got started off the line, didn't it? It was um, yeah, a really uh, bolshy start for Verstappen to force his way through. Yeah, I mean he's he's renowned for his uh, his abilities in the in the wet weather and the changing conditions. He always seems to be able to find grip where no one else can, um, and I think that was the case again immediately. You know, I mean, not only did he absolutely fly off the line to take uh, to take the lead. But, I mean, he pulled away by four seconds pretty much immediately. You know, I mean, Hamilton obviously eventually, you know, he kind of closed that gap again. But it took him it took him a lot longer to get to grips with things than it did for Verstappen, I think. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, coming together at Tamburello as well, uh, Verstappen wasn't afraid to get his elbows out. And um, Hamilton had to go over the sausage curves at the start, which damaged his front wing end plate. And um, you'd have thought he'd have been more hampered than he was by that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think probably the, the the changing conditions helped him a bit, and that um, you know uh, when, when it's wet, your car performance is less relevant. I think if you if you can if you can control it, then you're probably going to be pretty golden anyway. But yeah, it's it, 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 I think it was a mixed race for Hamilton, really, wasn't it? You'd say he drove pretty much as well as Verstappen, considering their machinery, apart from that that one mistake that ultimately lost him the chance of a win, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just great, isn't it, to be able to see them go head-to-head. 
completely I mean it's, it's not often that you see Lewis Hamilton make a mistake these days and um, and for not just him to do it but um, to have the sort of presence of uh, mind to sort of make sure he reverses out the gravel and uh, gets himself back going again that was a real key part of it wasn't it for him to, to get back on track and obviously there was uh, the red flag which we'll come to in a bit um, for him to be able to start that recovery drive. Yeah, the recovery was just Hamilton at his best, I think. You know, these days we don't really get to see him go wheel to wheel with other cars enough, sadly. Um, well, not sadly for him. I'm sure he's not complaining. It's because he's <laughs> so far ahead. But uh, yeah, no, that is really cool to see. But um, I don't know. I think Verstappen edged it, didn't he? Really? I mean, Hamilton was great, but he ultimately didn't have the perfect day. He made that mistake. And um, well, that wasn't the case with Verstappen. I mean, that's. Perfect drive, really, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, bar that sort of minor twitch before the safety car restart, he, um, you know, he's pretty flawless all day. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, like we said, he nailed the start, pulled away quickly. Um, I think, yeah, there was maybe towards the end of the first stint, I think Hamilton maybe had the bit of an edge, but that was partly due to Verstappen getting stuck in traffic as well, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, once once Hamilton made that mistake, I think it was kind of game over. And you never you never got the feeling that Verstappen was going to make that kind of mistake. I think um, obviously he did look a bit dodgy under the safety car at one point, like you said. But I don't know. I, I never looked at him and worried that he was gonna he was gonna crash him or go into the gravel or something. Which I can't really say about any other driver. You know, in those conditions, I think he was the only one that I had full confidence would would get it right. Yeah, fully agreed there, to be fair. I think um, I think everyone had, <laughs> had some sort of issue on the day, didn't they? And for Verstappen for to sort of work his way through that on a track where um, like some drivers were comparing it to almost being like Spa, where some uh, where one sector was completely different weather-wise. And um, that was a massive, massive challenge for them all to get through it. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it's, it, it's huge for Verstappen, to be honest, because, I mean, this is... This is the first year that he's had an even car to Hamilton, maybe even a better car. Um, he's had a car to challenge for a title. And I mean, before before race day in Imola, things weren't really going that well, obviously. He he nailed qualifying at, at Bahrain, but then couldn't pull off the move in the race. And he didn't have a good qualifying in Imola, you know, P3 beaten by Hamilton and, and uh, Perez. So, yeah, I think there were probably a lot of questions of Verstappen going into the race. His reputation is so, so big that the pressure that comes with it is huge. And yeah, I think he, this was the first time this season he really showed that he can handle it and that he can take the fight to, well, one of the best drivers ever. This will be the first time that he's been in this position. It makes you wonder if he'll be able to grow into it throughout the season. You know, he's, he's been able to take Lewis Hamilton on head to head and beat him in um, in a race where <laughs> almost everyone else was um, completely falling by the wayside. So for him, that must be an enormous confidence boost. Hundred percent. I think it definitely is. You know, I think. Um, I mean, it's daunting, isn't it? Going up against going up against Hamilton when you've had no experience of a title fight before. Um, I mean, it's so easy to forget how, how young Verstappen is. It feels like he's been in F1 for so long, you know, because he came in in 2015 when he was 17. But he is still very young. And yeah, I reckon this race probably did make him feel a lot, a lot better about his title chances. I don't know who's your money on at this point. Honestly, do not know, <laughs> which, which I suppose is the beauty of it, really, isn't it? Because it's such a long calendar ahead of us. And, um, you know, we could be going race to race and just seeing what happens. I mean, I'm thinking 
Um, this almost has shades of 2005 about it, doesn't it? The seven-time world champion against the young pretender with Michael Schumacher and Fernando Alonso. And, um, you know, again, a sort of seminal race at Imola, wasn't it? Alonso defending from Schumacher. And obviously it was completely different circumstances, yes, on Sunday. But it was, um, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy race. And um, we've got a really good year ahead of us if it stays like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking back a lot to 2017 and 2018 at the moment, you know, where, where Vettel had even machinery to Hamilton and made a really good start to the season. But yeah. once he got to the business end of things, he kind of, well, he crumbled under the pressure, didn't he? Whereas Hamilton thrived. And I think that's going to make or break it. I think Verstappen does have the car this year. I don't think there's going to be much development either. So I'd say that Verstappen is going to have a better car than Hamilton all season. So it's all, it's all on him, really, because I, I don't, I think that, I think that you can safely say Hamilton's going to get everything out of that car. And more at times, probably. Yeah, and more. And I, I don't think he's going to make many major mistakes. Um, I think yesterday was probably one of the few he'll make. So I think it all comes down to Verstappen, doesn't it? How he can handle that pressure. Because as Vettel showed in 2018, you know, I mean, Vettel crashed in Germany and that kind of put an end to his title fight altogether. I don't think Verstappen can afford a mistake like that. So, yeah, pressure's on him rather than Hamilton, I'd say especially as Hamilton's sort of been there and done it. But it's, um, well, even though it was really eventful at the front as well for, for Hamilton and Verstappen, their, their teammates um, had a completely different story, didn't they? Yes, let's start off with Perez because, uh, you know, it will leave the listeners in suspense about our views on the Bottas wrestle collision. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Perez was, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, I think everyone wants to see him do well. And the first race weekend, he... He had a poor Saturday, um, but a great Sunday. And this time round, it was the other way around. I mean, he was awesome in qualifying, I think. You know, he got P2 ahead of Verstappen, which I certainly didn't expect. I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, he could have taken pole on Saturday as well, actually. Um, then Sunday, yeah, from the off, it just it wasn't going well, really. I think he made a poor start to drop behind Leclerc. And then... Yeah, he couldn't even keep up with Leclerc, which was worrying. I think he did have a steering issue at that point. I think his steering wheel was loose. He did, yeah. He said um, he said it was uh, sort of moving around of its own accord, wasn't it? So he um, he was fighting against the car as well at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. At that point, I think you know P four until you can change your steering wheel. That's uh, you know it's not too bad. But then obviously uh, he made that rookie error under the safety car, which a driver a driver of his experience uh, shouldn't really be making I don't think I mean it's pretty simple if you can't overtake under the safety car you know and that's it he, yeah. he did <laughs> you know, even if you make a mistake you still can't overtake um, but then I don't, he got so many chances didn't he though I mean you, yeah you looked at that you thought oh that's probably ruined his race but then the red flag came out um, and he so he got another chance he was in I mean he was also in P4. P4 yeah he was in P4 at the restart in the fastest car on the grid, you know, at that point you're looking at it and you're thinking this is, this is a dead on Red Bull one, two here, especially with Hamilton back in P9 at that point, I think. So, and then, yeah, he, uh, another mistake and uh, yeah, just not a good day. That's it. Yeah. He drops it at the Villeneuve chicane for anyone who didn't see it. And he, um, you know, from then on, it was just a damage limitation for him, but he, he couldn't get back into the points after that, which uh, will be extremely disappointing it's, it's exactly what Red Bull don't want. You know, they need a driver who can 
you know, I, I think they expect Verstappen to be the lead driver, whoever they have alongside him, you know, unless they could get Hamilton to join, which is never going to happen. <laughs> I think Verstappen's always going to be their best driver. They just need someone to pick up the pieces behind them, you know, pick up the the, the big points because especially with Bottas crashing out, you know, that was such an opportunity for Red Bull to get a bit of a, well, to get a lead in the Constructors' Championship. And, um yeah, he, he didn't take it for them, really, which, yeah, it's a shame. But I, I still think he's shown enough in the first two race weekends to to justify their decision to sign him ahead of Albon. I mean, he qualified, out-qualified Verstappen in his second race, in which mm. Gasly and Albon never did, you know, unless Verstappen had issues. So, yeah, I don't think it's a case of, oh, no, what have Red Bull done? This is a shocker <laughs> of the call. Quite yet. Not again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he, he does need to cut out those areas for sure. And, you know, lest we forget, you know, it's only his second race in the team. It's the first time for him driving the car in the wet at the same time as well. So obviously that is going to take a period of adjustment. But, you know, you're, you're one of the best drivers in the world if you're on that grid. So you'd hope he'd be able to adjust to that too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you look at Turkey last year, they were pretty, I know there wasn't rain, but there was zero grip. There might have even been a bit of rain. I can't remember it was so long ago. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was so cold that there was just zero grip on the track. Um, and he was one of the best, you know, along with Hamilton. He, I think him and Hamilton were the only two that didn't really put a foot wrong. I mean, you know, Verstappen crashed trying to overtake Perez. Um, so I did head into this thinking that he's he's got what it takes to to, to keep things tidy in, in these conditions. But to be fair, I think it's a very, very hard car to drive as it is that Red Bull um, mm. and when it's in when it's in difficult conditions in your second race it's going to be even harder yeah exactly and um, <laughs> and now we come to the uh, come to the fun bit don't we uh, yeah. for anyone who didn't see it um, <laughs> heading up to the Tambourine chicane uh, George Russell in his Williams was looking to overtake Valtteri Bottas who was having a bad enough day anyway um, and he went to try and go around the outside of Tamborello, uh, dropped a dropped a wheel on uh, on the wet patch when he was on uh, on slicks, and all hell broke loose, didn't it? Yeah, God, that was good fun. I mean, first of all, just you just take a moment and listen to it. Like George Russell was overtaking Valtteri Bottas. You know, mm. I, I think a lot of people forget about that because of how dramatic the crash was and what happened afterwards, but. Just as a starting point, that is just crazy. You know, Bottas in in a Mercedes that Hamilton cut through the midfield through easily after the red flag, that Hamilton was in second for beforehand. And yeah, Bottas was sat in, I think it was eighth at the time, maybe ninth. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he didn't have any problems. And he got overtaken by Williams in George Russell. I mean... Yeah, that for a start, you know, that's just crazy. I mean, we're talking about Perez have been a poor race, but I think this is like another level altogether, you know. And there's a difference between making a mistake and just having zero pace in the first place. It's almost like Albon Gasly syndrome, isn't it? He, he was sort of hampered by qualifying anyway, and on, on a track where it's so narrow, and, you know, a bit of a mitigating factor could be the fact that it was just so much wetter at that stage of the race. So there's, there's a lot of spray, and you're having to, to navigate that anyway without even trying to. Um, to overtake people but <laughs> um, there was an amusing team radio message with Toto Wolf just coming on just saying come on Valtteri just trying to give him the hurry up as much as he could but for whatever reason he just couldn't do it and um, like as much as anything else George Russell being able to close up behind him and try to overtake him that's just 
symbolic, if nothing else, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway, to be honest. From it. I, I, the crash was a racing incident, I think. Um, personally, I think that Russell is completely out of line blaming Bottas. I just, I, I've watched the replay so much, and I really don't think Bottas moves over to the right. Um, I no. think maybe a tiny bit, but then he goes back to the left. But I mean, at the end, I think Russell got it wrong. You know, I don't think there was space there, especially in those conditions to get, you know, if you get one wheel on the grass, you're done there. Um, and he did. Uh, so, yeah, I think looking at that incident, I don't think, I don't think Bottas was at fault. I think it was either yeah. a racing incident or if anything, Russell was a bit too aggressive. And then, yeah, what happened afterwards was just, I thought that was really, really silly, really uncalled for and really kind of disrespectful from Russell, to be honest. I mean, but I mean, that was a huge collision for Bottas. And Russell just walked yeah, over to the car. I think every, everybody kind of thought, because, you know, we know Russell is quite a, you know, a nice guy, respectful driver, very professional. Mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of thought he was going to walk over and see if Bottas was all right. Uh, yeah. And then he just slaps them on the helmet, asks them if, if Bottas was trying to kill them. I, I, I don't know what I guess it was the adrenaline from the crash but oh, must I don't have know been. what he was thinking the thing is you think it, uh, that would be in the heat of the moment as well and you'd hope he'd have been able to calm down by the time he was giving interviews afterwards but no he, he squarely blamed Valtteri Bottas for it and he um, you know he was um, just you know talking about gentleman's agreement between the drivers that you don't don't move like that and for a start it didn't look like Bottas moved like that and I do wonder if a part of that is um, is Russell being uh, appointed to uh, sort of lead the uh, Grand Prix Drivers Association. If he's trying to um, talk from uh, from that standpoint of being in that role, just trying to uh, almost oversee driver behaviour on on the track. And um, <laughs> I mean, it could be sort of stupid enough as him just trying to to put his point uh, point across from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's. I think it's very political, to be honest, everything mm. he's saying. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I think I'd let him off if he said afterwards, oh, yeah, that was stupid of me. I was just, you know, annoyed at the time. But, you know, I've apologised to him. It was a, yeah, it was an, a racing incident or whatever. But he didn't. And, I mean, there was a lot of time between the crash and a lot of his interviews afterwards as well. I mean, he spoke to, I mean, he crashed out about halfway through the race. Yeah. And he spoke to a lot of people after the race, you know, after a red flag as well. I mean, there was a good while for him to kind of think about it, calm down, watch replays, but he did not back down at all. No. And I think, yeah, that's partly, like you said, I think in his new role in the GPDA, he maybe, I don't know, thinks it's his responsibility um, <laughs> to raise issues like that. But yeah. I mean, I still don't think there was much of an issue with Bottas. Um, I, I think mainly it's him wanting it's, it's him playing the game with Mercedes, isn't it? He wants to he wants to put pressure on Bottas. He wants to make yeah. Bottas look as bad as possible so that he can get into that seat. But I'm not sure this is the right approach to take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's not going to endear him to many people at Mercedes if he's uh, if he's taken out one of their drivers. But uh, but for the first time, we've heard that mask slip, didn't we? When he uh, when he said maybe if it was another driver, he wouldn't have done it which is the first real indicator because everyone's been talking about those two that that 2022 seat, but they've not really addressed it themselves. But that's the first time in public that they've, um, that, that George Russell has, uh, has said, you know, I, I, so albeit um, underhandedly that I've got my eyes on that seat. I want it. And obviously he doesn't want to give it up. Yeah. I mean, it really smashed the doors open on that issue. I mean, even Toto Wolf was not really dancing around it. 
afterwards, was he? He was. Um, he said, you know, he's been joking with Russell about, you know, if Russell drives well, he can have the Mercedes. If not, he'll end up in a Renault Clear. You know, I think. <laughs> I, I I was kind of surprised actually. I thought I thought uh, Wolf was going to be. It was a racing incident between two drivers. That's all I have to say. But I, I think his comments did make me think that maybe Bottas's time is pretty much done already. You know, I mean, I think Toto said as well that Bottas was going backwards at the moment, which I think is quite quite a strong comment for a team principal to say about his driver. Um, and he wasn't that critical of of uh, Russell's actions afterwards. So, no. yeah, I think, uh, I think it's not it's not good news for Valtteri, really. <laughs> Only two races in as well. That's, that's not going to do a lot for him personally either, is it? He's not going to be as motivated to try and get the job done if he already knows, like, <laughs> or that there are hints that his writing, the writing might be on the wall for him already. Yeah, I mean, it should be fun for us at least because I, I, I can't see yeah. him... I can't see him being his usual obedient self if he's getting mm. the same signals that we're getting, you know? I think if he's yeah. thinking, oh, they've already made their mind up, they're getting rid of me. I mean, where is the incentive for him to just be a team player? I, there isn't really any, you know, it's kind of like Vettel last year at Ferrari. Why would yeah. he be a team player when, you know, when he, he's leaving? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I mean, I think that's very bad for Mercedes because it comes at a time when they need him more than ever, really, you know? Yeah, especially um, for the constructors' championship, you know, in that context, now that Max Verstappen has a more reliable teammate, well, most of the time, other than yesterday in Sergio Perez. Yeah, I mean, better teammate and better car. I think this year Red Bull have got a car to challenge Mercedes, and they've got two top drivers. So, you know, for the first time in a while, because the Mercedes have really had that issue. I mean, obviously Ferrari built a good car in. 2017 and 2018, but they had one driver in Kimi Raikkonen who was a bit of a passenger in that in that title fight. He he was a rear gunner, even more so than Bottas in a lot of ways. Um, whereas this 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 year we've got a car that challenges Mercedes again, but you've also got two drivers who can do so. I think that Perez will will be able to as he gets more comfortable in that car. So yeah, they really need Bottas and. I'm not sure that they're gonna they're gonna have his full kind of support as a team player, to be honest. I mean, ultimately that might be irrelevant if he keeps driving the way he is anyway. He's not gonna be in a position to help out Hamilton regardless. Exactly. And that's gonna be one of the stories of the season, you'd imagine, just um, all, with all that bubbling along in the background, even with uh, Hamilton and Verstappen jostling for the title. I mean, obviously in, in race situations where they might be out of place and uh, Bottas and Perez maybe maybe further forward, that could be a real key factor in both championships. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It definitely could be. And uh, uh, it's it's good fun though, isn't it? You know, it, it's good. It's good for the title fight, and it's it it, it just makes things a lot more interesting. Yeah, when you look at like Russell's season as well. Now, I think yeah, like you said, now that the mask has slipped in, he's made his intentions abundantly clear. And I, I don't think he's there's any real incentive to kind of. Uh, go back on that now I thought his his chance to kind of cool things down and say it was just a crash you know I overreacted it's not relevant about the context of me and Bottas it was just two drivers hitting each other that's about it I'm not thinking about that Mercedes seat the chance to say that was after the race and he like we said he had time to think about it and he decided not to do that so uh I think this is going to be something that, that is pretty openly discussed for the rest of the season now, which is kind of strange, actually. 
Yeah, I mean, I bet he's not looking forward to, to his press conferences in Portimao already. I do wonder if he's woken up this morning with a, a little sense of regret over what he said. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I was so surprised by it, you know. I, I was, you know, the whole reaction of hitting Bottas on the head and calling him all sorts and stuff. Um, I, that's pretty normal, you know, driving. I mean, maybe not mm. the slap on the helmet. You don't, you don't <laughs> see that often, but, you know, I don't think it's... It, it, it's not a massive deal, but it becomes much bigger when when the guy goes to the press afterwards and has zero regrets, zero you know, about what he did. You know, still feels that he was completely justified in his actions. I think then it becomes quite a big deal, and uh, yeah, now it has. So bring it on. <laughs> Absolutely. Away from the uh, the top two, it was a, it was a great race behind them, wasn't it? And um, full props to Lando Norris for getting that podium too. He he had a brilliant weekend overall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is surprising me, to be honest. I think everyone knows he's a great young driver, but I thought with Ricardo alongside him, he would struggle. I mean, Ricardo is a, a top, top driver. You know, he's won races, countless podiums. I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought that Norris would end up playing second fiddle, but the first two races, he's he's comfortably, comfortably had a, had the mark over him. Um, and yeah, I think this race in particular. I mean, you know, obviously qualifying, he was absolutely rapid. There was a there was a point where I thought he was going to get pole position. I couldn't believe what yeah. I was watching. He said, "Same here." Yeah, he said, uh, "Purple sector one, purple sector two. I was like, "Oh my god!" Obviously, went wide. Uh, got his lap time deleted. The time would have gotten P three ahead of Verstappen. So yeah, I think he was. I don't. Know, he was. He was gutted about that, wasn't he? You could see it, but um, I mean, clearly he used that to channel it on race day because he was every bit as good and, yeah, didn't make those mistakes. No, not at all, but um, we spoke about Bottas but not being a team player, but you, you have to give Ricardo some uh, some credit for actually moving over when the, when the team asked him to, and he said over the race, uh, sorry, after the race, that he had to swallow his pride a bit to do it, but at the same time, um, he said, you know, still second race in a new car, still still learning, still um, still learning where everything is, you know, trying to uh, pick things up from when he uh, moved from Renault. So, you know, like fair placement for doing that because I don't think everyone would have done. No, no, I definitely, I, I wasn't sure he would either. He's never been a driver like like Bottas or like, you know, Raikkonen or Barrichello back in the day who's just going to move aside. And yeah, without without any kind of title fight, I wondered, you know, what's his incentives letting him through? But it was great for the team that he did because obviously he let Norris go and Norris had the pace to ultimately pick up a podium. And if, if Ricardo, with how hard it is to overtake, I think if Ricardo didn't let Norris through, I don't think he would have gotten that podium. Um, I think Leclerc probably would have finished ahead of him instead. So, yeah, it was a great team play from Ricardo. I think that that's what, exactly what you want from a lineup. I think you've got two guys who are pretty um, pretty relaxed. You know, I don't think there's any kind of bad blood between them. There's not too much. I don't think either of them want to play any kind of political game with each other. Um, I think they're two guys who see it as they're going to be in this team for quite a long time. So let's try and build it up as much as possible, which, yeah, I think that's a really good place for McLaren to be in, especially when... Well, I, you know, I think Ricardo, we all know, is going to get to that. He's going to get more comfortable in the car and is going to be, you know, really, really good as he has been everywhere he's gone. He's a world-class driver. The question mark was 
whether Norris is as well. And I think this season he's, I think he's showed it. I think he showed that he has. I mean, you know, two races in, he's third in the in the drivers' championship. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Twenty seven points, P three and P four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's really impressive stuff. Second podium already, and uh, yeah, I think he's he's taken his his reputation to new heights already. Absolutely, and with um, with the pair of them as well, it's probably easier for them to to get on with each other when uh, when they're both trying to drive the team forward. Because I mean, obviously, McLaren have made so much progress in in the last year or two, and um, in the first two races of the season have only confirmed that. So it's in the be- uh, sorry, it's in the best interest of the team for them to to both be pushing in the same direction. And you know, on the early evidence, they seem to be doing that. Yeah, it's never ideal having these these issues with you know like Ferrari last year. I think they had all these problems with Vettel and that he he knew he was leaving. So he probably wasn't giving his all. I think they were probably building a car mainly for Leclerc and that reflected, you know, they they didn't they didn't have two drivers that that did well. But um yeah McLaren have got exactly that this year. I think like I said, once once Ricardo gets to grips with it, I think looking at how Norris is driving, you've got to think that's that's maybe the best lineup on the grid, depending, I think, on how Perez does it, readable. And then, I mean, the Ferrari lineup, we'll get onto that in a sec, but that's not bad either. But yeah, I think once, once, once Ricardo is more comfortable in the car, then McLaren are going to, yeah, they'll be well in the mix for, for podiums, maybe even a race win if you get a bit of chaos ahead of them. Absolutely, and that's that's what we want to see, really, isn't it? And um, that, it's so tight between them and Ferrari at the moment, and it's uh, it's good to see Ferrari make those sort of improvements from last year because last year was so bad for them. So for them to pick themselves up again has been uh, been a good sign, not just for them but for you know the sport as a whole because uh, like Formula One needs a good Ferrari, as is the <laughs> as is the word around the paddock, isn't it? Oh, I absolutely love seeing McLaren and Ferrari going head to head again. You know, I know it's not at the front. I know it's not for wins and titles, but it's just so cool to see. Yeah, it's been so long, I think, since we've had both teams in in, in even cars that aren't completely awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, and yeah, it's just really cool to see. I, I think that if you, the, the, the jump that Ferrari have made this year is seriously impressive considering... Considering the regulations, you know, they were pretty much frozen. There's not much you could do with the car. I mean, it's, it is really impressive. I think they've obviously improved their power unit. Uh, the only way was up in that department, to be fair. Yeah, they, they were far and away the worst engine from, uh, from last year from the looks of things. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I think, yeah, I think that was definitely the big issue. Um, and they've largely fixed it, you know, I think. The, it also helps having a number two driver who is uh, happy to be there, you know, who isn't just completely done with driving a Ferrari like Vettel was last <laughs> year, uh, understandably in his defence. But uh, yeah, I think Sainz is, I think he's settled in at Ferrari a lot better than uh, people thought. I thought that Leclerc was going to be wiping the floor with him early on um, while he kind of got to grips with the car. But that, hasn't been the case and it's pre-season as well and before the first race signs was saying how he didn't feel comfortable in the car and he, he didn't he didn't know how to drive it in different conditions and how to manage tires on it and you know I, I was there thinking guy he's really going to struggle here but um he hasn't I mean aside from the the, the qualifying in Imola he's been pretty much flawless I mean well, I say that he did make a lot of mistakes in the first half of the race 
going into the gravel a number of times. But, uh, you know, thankfully, Pierre Gasly was kindly holding everyone up behind him. So he didn't <laughs> lose any places. Um, and yeah, once things dried up, he, you know, he, he got his head down and ultimately he put quite a bit of pressure on Leclerc at the end, actually. And that can only be good for Ferrari too, because I think, um, I do think Carlos Sainz is a lot better than people give him credit for. And he, uh, he spoke after the race there about how he's still learning, still trying to, to find his feet. And I think he's, he's taking a real sort of analytical approach. He's spending a lot of time at Maranello and Fiorano. And um, he's trying to get his feet under the table. And I think that that could pay off for him in the long run. He's a bit like Perez, I think, in that he's not one... He's not like in one of the most exciting drivers, I don't think. I don't think he's got that unbelievable raw speed that, that Verstappen and Hamilton have. He doesn't have the... Yeah, he's not an unbelievably good overtaker like Ricardo is. But I think he's just a really solid in every department. He doesn't have a weakness in... On Sundays, especially, he's always said it. He he's better on Sundays, and I think he showed that so far. You know, I mean, going up to P five from from P eleven um, on the grid is is a really good effort, um, and it's what the team needs. I mean, I don't know. Do you reckon he could beat Leclerc this year? I mean, I don't know if he's going to out qualify him very much because Leclerc is so good on Saturdays. But I think, given the right conditions in the race, I think he definitely give him a good run for his money, won't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he finished what, a second odd behind Leclerc, yeah. I think. And yeah. I think it was a bit quicker, actually, after the red flag. I, I think he mm. could have uh, got him if Leclerc didn't have that, that DRS ahead uh, from Norris for so long. So, yeah, I think that's it's an interesting battle to watch. I think it, 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 needs, it means that McLaren really need Ricardo to get comfortable in that car soon. Because at the moment, McLaren are ahead in the constructors, but... The gap isn't big. The performance between the two cars is pretty even. So, yeah, I think, and at the moment, Ferrari have two drivers that are, that are performing really well. So I think that, that Ricardo needs to needs to um, do that as well. And then, you know, I think we should have a really good fight for P3 on our hands. I mean, you know, it, it's you'd think that maybe we'd be a bit disappointed that it's only a two-horse race this year for P3 rather than last year where we had... Um, racing point Renault and, and McLaren but uh, I think the fact that it's Ferrari just just completely makes up for that to be honest yeah absolutely and it's, it's just it's good to see that competition throughout the grid I mean obviously 2022 will throw everything up in the air but I think uh, we can <laughs> we can enjoy the last year of these regulations for sure and um, you know finishing P3 will, will do sort of wonders for for teams in terms of prize money as well that, that can make such a big difference come the end of the season so it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds yeah yeah for sure and I think that um, having two, the two teams at the top of the midfield are two teams with big resources as well, you know, in Ferrari and McLaren, especially Ferrari. Resor- you know, they've got enough to, to be able to challenge Mercedes and Red Bull if they can build the car. So I think seeing them both, you know, build really good cars for this season is definitely encouraging going forward to 2022. Yeah, and... Um... Now, looking at the rest of the field, um, Pierre Gasly, you've touched on him already, but he must have felt like he had an entire season in one race. He was one of the only drivers to start on the full wet tyres, uh, absolutely fell down to the back of the field. And um, after the red flag, he was able to work his way back up to P7. So it was a quite incredible race for him. I completely, I kind of you forgot about him with everything that was happening ahead of him. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw him start on the wets in a really good qualifying position after a great Saturday um, P5 he started 
And then I saw him plummet down. I think he went all the way down to P15 before pitting because <laughs> they made the wrong call with the tyres, basically. And weirdly, they didn't decide to pit him under the first lap safety car, which was, yeah, not the best call on Afatari's part. Um, but yeah, at that point, you think that uh, that's his race done. He's not going to be getting points. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite the comeback drive, you know, to fight your way up from, from the way at the back of the grid to end up well in the points in the end. I mean, he was right behind Ricardo and Stroll ahead of him. He could have uh, he could have got P6 with maybe uh, 10 more laps in him, you know. But um, even so, P8, when, you're, when you've dropped that far down, is, uh, yeah, it's a pretty darn good drive, I'd say. Yeah, he, yeah, he really did have a tough time of it. But I think it um, exemplified how his drive went because uh, his teammate, obviously, Yuki Tsunoda was uh, was making headlines in Bahrain. But at the same time, uh, yeah, he, he did have a bit of a tougher weekend. And then when I was starting at the back uh, after after going out and qualifying, and uh, it, it didn't really get much better for him in the race. No, I mean it's strange. He I, he did impress in the race for me. He the first half of the race, I thought he was. He was great. He uh, obviously True. started right in the back, but fought his way all the way up into the points. Showed really strong pace, clean overtaking, no issues. You know, at that point, I'm thinking he's in contention for driver of the day if he keeps going at this rate. But then, yeah, another another big mistake, like like the one he made in qualifying, just, just lost it um, at the restart and crashed into the wall. Uh, yeah, obviously, he's a rookie in those conditions being a rookie you can't be too harsh on him I think Mick Schumacher made a mistake as well and Nikita Mazepin didn't but he was going so slowly that (laughs) well he did spin at the end you know we we need to tick that box well there you go then yeah three rookies three crashes I mean uh, yeah in these conditions I think you've got to kind of let them off but uh, yeah Helmut Marker is not the most patient man in the world so I think Sonoda is going to have to cut these out what gave you that impression? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, it's good seeing that they've got a strong car and Pierre Gasly started the season really well too. So uh, Avatari could, you know, could be in with a shout of um, an outside shout being in that P3 fight if they can, um, if they could sort of like muster a couple of uh, good races and just make sure they're, they're there or thereabouts too. Yeah, I mean, in terms of outright pace, I think they're well in there with, with mm. Ferrari and McLaren actually. I think a lot of, well, me included, are kind of forgetting that because you look at the standings and the results of the first two races and you think, you know, oh, there's not much to say about them. But in terms of outright pace, they are definitely in the mix. You know, Gasly is qualified in the top five in the first two races. Sonoda has made a lot of progress from the back, of, from further back in the field in two races, even if he crashed in the second. They just need a race without any kind of, a race weekend even without any kind of uh, problems, whether it's crashes from Sonoda or issues for Gasly that he's had in both races so far. Because, yeah, like you said, in terms of a the car, they're definitely, definitely the fifth fastest car. They might even be, it's hard to tell because they haven't had a clean weekend, but they could be well up there with Ferrari and McLaren, I think. So, yeah, we could, we could get a three-horse race from P3 after all. Which, well, again, good for all of us because it, it just means like, we don't know what's going to happen going into the weekend. And that was sort of best exemplified by the qualifying session. So I loved how close it was. And, you know, hopefully that will, um, that will you know, keep going for the rest of the season. But obviously different tracks, like, upgrades throughout the season. It could, um, you know, <laughs> who knows, it could all peter out. But uh, let's just enjoy it for the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
it's a weird one because you really want a great season on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm I'm a bit gutted that this season's turned out to be the good one, and it's the last year of these regulations. It always <laughs> happens, I swear. You get into the final year of regulations, and suddenly things get really interesting. But hey ho, hopefully it just continues to get better in 2022. <laughs> keep those fingers crossed but onwards to Porto now in a couple of weeks um, we'll very much look forward to it Finley thank you very very much for joining me this morning yeah no worries good fun and um, yeah to everyone listening be sure to check out the website planetf1.com in the two weeks between the races follow us on twitter with planet underscore f1 and um, yeah leave us a review on apple podcast if you enjoyed it and yeah we'll be back in a couple of weeks before to now Looking for the successiest new job? Or maybe the techiest? Or the chefiest? Or perhaps the salesiest? We have them all and more on Ireland's jobsiest job site, jobs.ie, where 90% of jobs advertised end in a hire. So it's the savviest place to search too. With smart technology that matches your CV with the career you're looking for, just register today and download our app to find your dreamiest job. Jobs.ie, the jobsiest job site. Sports Social Podcast Network.